said. Amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you, choir and orchestra and singers and preschool and everyone who had a part. Man, praise the Lord. I, uh, huh. I really feel like just we ought to probably give an invitation. <laughs> praise the name of Jesus. Turn, if you would, to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7. And we'll begin reading in verse 10. One of America's favorite holiday songs is, I'll be home for Christmas. You can plan on me. Please have snow and mistletoe and presents by the tree. I made a lot of promises. The problem is the promises are harder to keep than they are to make. And I think that's one reason why Christmas ought to be the happiest time. In fact, it, the most wonderful time in the world ought to be Christmas. Because that's about promises and God keeps his promises. He promised. Isaiah chapter 7, beginning in verse 10. Would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? Moreover, the Lord spake again unto Ahaz, saying, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will ye weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and to choose the good. For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that thou abhorrest shall be forsaken of both her kings. The Lord shall bring upon thee and upon thy people and upon thy father's house days that have not come from the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, even the king of Assyria. Father, thank you this morning. We're so blessed. We're so blessed. We're blessed to hear great music. We're blessed to be in a beautiful auditorium. We're blessed today to be part of a country that, Lord, still has the freedom for people to come and go as they please and to worship a holy God. Lord, we're so blessed. Would you this morning add one more blessing to us? Would you just let your Holy Spirit just come down fresh in this service? Lord, in a way that maybe we've not seen it ever before in our life, but especially in a way we've not seen it in a long time. God, to just have the freedom to know that you're King of kings and Lord of lords. And you promised us thousands of years ago that a Savior would come. God with us, Emmanuel. And Lord, you kept that promise. You promised again that he'd come back. And you're going to keep that promise. Prepare us for your next coming. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We're looking from a passage here from Isaiah, an Old Testament prophet, makes numerous predictions and prophecies about uh, the, the coming Messiah. And uh, I don't know that we're going to get to all of them here in the next couple of weeks, but uh, Isaiah 7, if we don't, let me just give it to you in a nutshell so you don't have to come back anymore. Uh, Isaiah, no, I'm joking with you. Uh, you better come back. 
Isaiah 7 predicts how the Messiah is going to be born. We're going to cover that this morning. Isaiah 9 predicts how the Messiah will bless. And then Isaiah 11 predicts how the Messiah will rule. And uh, so uh, hopefully we'll get through some of that. But the, the words I want you to hear over the next few weeks are this. Promise made, promise kept. Promise made, promise kept. Promise made was in the Old Testament. Promise kept is in the New Testament. It's an arch from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Now look with me first of all at the future. Uh, Biblical predictions are hard to do. In fact, any kind of predictions are hard to do. I mean, who would have thought? I mean, just, man, I, I was just thinking this morning of the predictions. I had a guy give me a a sum of money, not a large sum, but, but some money, well, $300, and uh, said, you take it and invest it, use it any way you wanted to. And so I did. I put it in the stock market, and boy, every day I'd get on there and look, and man, within, uh, within just a few, a couple of months, I had $1,400. And I'm thinking, maybe I need to get out of pasturing and go into investments here. And I kind of had that on my mind, and I, I left there. It was in 2008. We left here, my family, going to uh, uh, Washington during spring break for a vacation. By the time I got back, I had $33 left in that account. <laughs> now, if somebody could have just predicted, you know, everybody's always saying the stock market is going to crash, and then they just don't know when. Uh, we could all move our money out, and we could be good investors. We don't know. I mean, who would have thought, just shooting straight with you, who would have predicted that our president this year would be Donald Trump? I mean, crystal balls cracked all over this country on that election night. I mean, people froze up at the mouth, and I mean, uh, they couldn't talk. Who, some of you older folk, go back to 1940. Who would have ever thought that Dwight L. Eisenhower would have been president of the United States? I mean, he, he was a wonderful uh, uh, army guy, you know, a serviceman. But, boy, he, he's just about like a sack of rocks. I mean, you know, who would have predicted that? See, we, we're, we're, we're rough when we start to get predictions because uh, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know. Uh, economically. Politically, back in the 90s, there was a called a good judgment project. Uh, Philip Tetlock from University of Pennsylvania got two groups. One was a very expert group. You know what an expert is. That's somebody that's 50 miles away from home and has got a briefcase. That's what an expert is. So he got this expert group, and then he just got these regular normal, kind of, you know, redneck, you know, regular normal people like us. Amen? And he began to ask them for one year what was going to happen. He talked about North Korea, talked about the oil crisis in the Middle East, and talked about the stock market and all of those. When the year was over, the group of rednecks fared far better than all the experts did. I'm just telling you, you know, that's why we got to be careful even as prophets, because uh, in the Bible, what, how they determined was if you made a prophecy, you were a prophet. If it didn't come true, they just took you out and stoned you. So, we, you know, I'd a whole lot rather just preach what I already know to be truth 
than to get stoned by somebody uh, and, and, uh, and lose my life like that. But when you're talking about prophecy, you got to look at the Bible and the accuracy of the Bible. The Bible predicts the future regularly, and I'll tell you, you'll never find anything that's not true in this book. That's why it's important as a church. Hear me now this morning. Some of you younger folk, listen to me this morning. You think there's some some old fuddy-duddies and all this stuff. No, when you stop believing this is the inerrant Word of God, then you can go any direction you want to go. You can prove anything you want to prove. But I'm telling you, this is the inerrant Word of God. Now, how do you know that? Well, number one, 2 Timothy 3.16 says that it's God-breathed. God's the one that breathed it out. I know men wrote it down, but I'm telling you, God told them what to write. It's God-breathed. But not only that, God not only knows the future, He controls the future. I've often said, if somebody did get it right, and actually hit the day that the Lord was coming back, I feel like the Lord would change that date. (laughs) Just to make, because no man knows the hour. No man knows the day that he's coming back. He said in, in, uh, uh, he said, I am God, there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, declaring the, uh, from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose, Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Mm. God, let me go a step further. God not only knows the future, God knows the history of the future. There is nothing our God does not know. The first prediction that he makes about the Messiah here, he said, it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, when he says, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel, all the way back. That's the first promise and the first prophecy found in the entire Bible there. A lot of significance on the predictions of the Old Testament. Acts chapter 3, 17. Now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of the prophets, that his Christ would suffer he thus fulfilled hmm how 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 was the new testament saints so sure that jesus was going to come and that he was going to come again even because peter says that the old testament pointed us to jesus 300 predictions scattered in the old testament about the messiah now how do they work today for us what what does it do for us today number one we've got to live the faith. We've got to live the faith. Everybody here, probably most everybody, if you haven't, you've heard of the virgin birth of Jesus. The idea of the virgin birth is first recorded here in in, uh, Isaiah, where we're here today. The prediction, the miracle. Now, there's two men that are in this chapter. One of them is King Ahaz. King Ahaz was 20 years old when he took the reign. He reigned for 16 years. His daddy was a wonderful man of God. His grandfather was a wonderful man of God. But Ahaz was a dud. He was a dud. And we've got a story here in this scripture where the the big armies are lining up on all sides. And Ahaz is saying, what are we going to do? Here's little old Judah right here. We're going to get wiped out. Now, these armies wanted Judah to sign an alliance with them. 
And most, all of his advisors were saying, sign the alliance, sign the alliance. You know, we could probably get China and Russia to sign an alliance, alliance with us too. It'd be worth the paper it was written on maybe. And that's exactly what he's saying here. He's saying uh, that uh, despite all of this that Ahaz had done and the evilness that he had done, I find it amazing that Ahaz is in the lineage of Jesus. Hmm. I mean, God literally can use anybody. He's in the lineage of Jesus. So you got Ahaz here as one of the characters, and then you've got Isaiah here, a tremendous man of God, a counselor to kings, someone who wrote a book in the Old Testament there, a tremendous prophet there. In fact, Jesus chose one of Isaiah's writings to even be in his first sermon recorded. Isaiah was a tremendous man. And then the war looms all around. Ahaz here, Isaiah here, and then the war. The war. And the prediction of the virgin birth is because this king is reliant upon himself. He refuses. Listen, God hands him a blank check and said, you, you, you tell me what sign you want and I'll do it to prove to you that I'm God. He could have had the sun stand still. I heard about that old boy that was going to go to the sun on his first spaceship thing. They said, man, you can't do that. You'll burn up. He said, I'm planning on going at night. <laughs> he could have had the sun stand still. He could have had the moon stand still. He, could have, he had a blank check. God said, you tell me what sign you want. And he said, I'm not going to ask you for a sign. I'm not going to do it. Now, don't think that was out of humility. Mm-mm. God says, well, if you don't ask for a sign, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a sign. There's going to be one born of a virgin thousands of years before it ever happened. Isaiah prophesies about it. War is looming. Literally, everybody's panicked because they knew this little old country was no match for all of the bullies threatening him. It won't be long. We won't be able to read scriptures like this because it includes bullies in it. Maybe it's cold outside, stuff like that. We can't say any of those things anymore. I want to tell you, could I just be honest with you this morning? If you're so insecure, you need to come down here and get saved. Because I'll tell you, Jesus can give you security in life. Amen? You, you won't have to worry about this other junk. All right, I won't charge you for that. The king's advisors are saying, make the alliance with him. They're powerful nations. And yet God, in his boundless love, sends Isaiah to the king and says, listen, don't panic. He compares them to an, like a burned-out embers like you'd see at a campfire. Really, honestly, like an old stump that's just smoldering over here. The fire has already left. Isaiah says, you keep clear of any political alliance because, king, this is more a matter of faith than it is politics. And that's where we find ourselves at Christmas 2019. It's not about politics. It's about faith that our God can do what our God says he can do. Promises made, promises kept. All throughout the Word of God. <laughs> I, I still just get amazed 
at this sign thing, he says, no. The problem at Christmas that we've got this, this, this Christmas, do you trust the promises of God? Do you really trust the promises of God? Or are you self-reliant upon yourself? <laughs> we need to seize the sign. Isaiah with the king, and, and they're both exasperated by the king here. God and Isaiah are exasperated. So in place of just any sign, God Almighty gives a king the sign that the Lord's going to give you a sign. Behold, a virgin is going to conceive and bear a son. You call his name Emmanuel. Hmm. Verses 2 and verse 13 there. Let me show you how this sign works. God refers to the king as the house of David. Ahaz is the descendant of the greatest king of Israel, David. But the house of David referred to here is much more than reminds us of a great king. It's the words of house of David reminds us of a great promise. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I'll raise up for you offspring who shall come from your body and I will establish your kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever in 2 Samuel 7. Listen to me this morning. That's no ordinary child being born in that manger. Hmm. Speaking of country boys, I don't know if you caught what Vernon said in his prayer. I said, whoa, that's deep. I, uh, let me think. What, what, what was it you said, Vernon? You said that <laughs> there, there have been many babies who were born and became a king, but there's only been one king born as a baby. Wow, that's rich. Despite taking 750 years to fulfill, God's not going to allow one of his promises to not come true. Now, let me, let me give you just the mountain of, of the, the consequences, immediately consequences here. Because the way the prophets looked at the future... It's, it's kind of like us looking at a mountain range, and there's one set of mountains there, and we cross those mountains. We think, whoo, we're home, and then, bless God, we look, and there's another one we got to cross down there, too. It just keeps on going in life. Do you, do you find that out in your life? Well, there's four things that we understand from Isaiah 17 here, verses 15 and 16. Number one, the child's going to be a male. Nobody's going to have to wonder if he was male or female. The Word says he's going to be a male. Secondly, he's going to be given the unique name, Emmanuel, which means God with us. I don't know if that means anything to you or not, but I want to tell you, we don't have a God who you can't touch. We don't have a God who you can't go to. We've got a God who came to us. We've got a God who has experienced what we have experienced. We've got a God that knows what we feel. And then lastly, before he's reached full maturity here, the two nations he says, Ahaz, that you fear, they're not even going to be a threat. They're not even going to be a threat. Hmm. A commentator <laughs> has written this down, and I copied it. He said, this whole episode was like a mouse attacked by two rats. All the while, he's calling for a cat to save him. And the cat did come, making the mouse his dessert. The king turned God aside, and his opportunity passed before him. Let me give you the other uh, long-term blessings here. That second mountain range, 
Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They'll call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And I don't want to admit this. There are two things I don't want to admit today. Number one, I'm 65, and it's never dawned on me that there's not a recorded birth after Jesus was born in the Bible. He's the last recorded birth. Wow. You know what that means? That means this book is all about Jesus. That's what that means. <laughs> the last genealogy, the last family tree that's recorded in the Word of God is Jesus. What does that mean? That means this book's all about Jesus. Now, the other thing I don't want to admit this morning is our music director has more theological knowledge than I do. He, he, made, he made a statement this morning. I don't know if he did here or not, but he did. You didn't do it here? See, he, mm. he said that the angels wasn't singing. They were just saying. They were talking. I spent 15 minutes while the choir was singing trying to look up my concordance to prove to him that the angels sang. Do you know there's nowhere in this book that says the angels sang? Now, they worshiped, but it, they didn't sing. Isn't that humilify, uh, humidifying? <laughs> I mean, that's just plain old humidity there. When huh? <laughs> The entire Bible, from Genesis to Malachi, pointed to the birth of Jesus Christ. The question, do you trust in the promises of God, or do you do like Ahaz, just flip back and forth? Well, it's convenient. I'm going to trust in God. If it's good, I'm going to trust in God. I don't know about you. The last couple of months have been a tremendous just test and hardship. And I know why. My wife and I have been married 44 year, 42 years. And there's never been a time, never been a time in our life when we tried to plan something to do something for God in a revival, a Bible conference, a mission trip or something that literally the devil did just try to ring everybody's bell. And I believe with all my heart our, pro our problem started, and my wife said, we're going to get through this. She's got about one more week, and, and it's been, a, it's been a, just a, a bad time. But it all started when God gave us an opportunity to start Mason Creek. I believe with all my heart, if we stay the course and stay with God, we have not yet seen what God wants to do. I believe that. I'm going to go to my death believing that, trusting God for that. When circumstances come, let me tell you, I don't care how spiritual you are. Most of us are just like anybody else. We've got a small God with a big problem. And Christmas 
brings us up to ask ourselves the question, do we really trust God? Is it about me? Is it about my self-reliance? Or do we really trust God? I was reminded of the man that went to church and the preacher was preaching on the virgin birth and Mary's conception by the Holy Spirit and he was a skeptic. And he came up after the service and he said, Preacher, I don't believe that story. And nobody in their right mind would believe that story. I can't believe that. He said, you mean to tell me that if a young teenage girl walked in your office one day and said, I'm six months pregnant. This is my boyfriend. He's never laid a hand on me. No other man's ever laid a hand on me. I was conceived and this baby was through the Holy Spirit. Would you believe her? And the guy thought, well, he's surely going to say no. But he thought a minute. And he said, yes, I'd believe her. The guy was just in shock. He said, how in the world can an educated man believe something like that? He said, well, I would believe her if that birth had been foretold by prophets thousands of years before it happened. I would believe her if an angel visited this boyfriend and said, do not be afraid, take this woman as your wife. That which she's conceived is of the Holy Ghost. I would believe her if when that baby was born, wise men traveled from afar to bring gifts and to fall down on their face and worship where that baby was. I would believe that girl if her son had the power over the wind and the waves and over death and disease. I would believe her if her son died on a cross and was raised from the dead three days later. That's what Christ has done for us. You may be here this morning. You're saying, ah, oh, I don't know. That's the great thing about our Lord. You got an opportunity to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to go with you. Yes, Lord, I believe you. I'm going to trust you, Lord, or no, Lord, I'm not. It's your opportunity. You, you, do you trust the promises of God? You see, the bottom line is this. If you're born once, you're going to die twice. But if you'll get born twice, if you're born, every one of us here are born physically. And if we're only born physically, we're going to die physically and we're going to die spiritually. But this morning, if you'll come to Jesus, you can be born physically and born spiritually and you only die physically. <laughs> to be absent in this body. I was reading this week of what Spurgeon said. He was preaching in the tabernacle. I don't know, there were thousands of people there. Guy comes up the side aisle over there, and he's got one of these long pistols. Comes right up on the stage and points it at Spurgeon and said, You either stop talking about Jesus or I'm going to kill you. Now, I don't know what I'd do. I'd hope my hitman would get here before he got here. <laughs> but I want to tell you what Spurgeon did. 
he looked at him and said, don't you threaten me with heaven. Brother, that's what we've got looking forward to. To be absent in this body is to be present with the Lord. But listen to me. We've got to make preparation now. Because what you do in this life determines where you spend the next life. You say, well, I'm going to do it one day. No. Today's the day of salvation. Do it today. Do it this Christmas. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know. If I were to ask you this morning, how many of y'all, and I'd have to raise my hand, how many of y'all been having chest pains? There'd probably be a hundred people in here say, I've been having some chest pains. Now, I think it's indigestion, you know, when you're eating tamales at midnight. <laughs> sometimes that chest pain comes. <laughs> well, what if it's not? See, you don't know any of that. You know what you do know? You're sitting right here right now in an invitation time. And our Lord is standing with open arms saying, come. You that won't live in water, come on down here. I got living water for you where you'll never thirst again. You that are saved but you're heavy laden and just worn out and weary, you come. I'll strengthen you. It's our choice. Our choice. Father, we thank you today for the prediction that Isaiah made. Lord, it just wasn't a prediction, but it became real. We're thankful today that the King of kings and Lord of lords and deity left heaven and came to earth. Not to be a showboat, not to be something special, but to become a servant. To come and to seek and to save the lost. And you're still doing that now. Lord, would you look over this congregation, those that do not know you today. Oh, Father in heaven, would you reach down and touch them? Lord, speak to their heart, Lord Jesus. Draw them to you. For those that may be weary today, God, would you lift them up? Strengthen them, encourage them. Lord, if there's some today that need a church home, and this is where you want them to be, help them to be obedient to your call. Let your will be done in every life that's in this place today. And I'll praise you. Thank you in advance for the victory in Jesus' name. I want to look up here one minute, just one second. If you're trying to decipher this morning whether or not it's Jesus talking to you or maybe it's just the devil causing doubts, could I submit to you this morning the last thing Satan wants is for you to be saved. That's the very last thing he wants. He is not dealing with you. Now, if you're saved, you stand on it, you stand in the faith, and you praise the Lord. But if you're not, don't you listen to him. You listen to Jesus, and you follow his will. Stand with us as we sing this morning. Brother Aaron, lead us.